On today's episode, we'll get into the 2019 season premiere of Hard Knocks. I'll react to the Madden ratings released, talk about some over-under win totals in the NFL, and roll that into some hot NFL takes for the 2019 season, which is only a few weeks away. I'll then give my usual, very popular, miscellaneous life hot take segment. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Chris Ham Podcast. All right, before we get started today, I'm staring at my sneakers right now, and they're an absolute disaster. You know, looking at my right shoe in particular, they're falling apart. And I know I'm half black, but I don't have a crazy sneaker collection. What I do is I buy one pair of sneakers every year, year and a half, sometimes even two years, and I wear them until they're unwearable. I wear them into the ground. So you inherit a lot of things from your parents, some good, some bad. Uh, some traits balance out and others don't. Now, it's, it's gross, but my mom, from my mom, I inherited these flat, wide feet that make my feet prone to calluses and corns. Look, I understand that's not an attractive image, and I know I'm probably gonna have friends now who look Look, uh, who, who listen to this and, and stare at my feet now in disgust. But, you know, my feet break through shoes like the Incredible Hulk. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of shoes. Dress shoes, casual walking shoes, sneakers, whatever function, whatever shoe genre they, they are that I buy, it's always the same result. And New Balances, yes, you, some people might tell me they're wider, buy New Balances. But with New Balances, I get the painful calluses. You know, like, like eventually they, I've, I've tried this now two, three times in New Balances and these calluses just develop and they take weeks to remove or months. And um, if I don't get the New Balances, my shoes have a short shelf life and they fall apart, especially because they aren't made as hard as they were in the past. It sucks. All right, so let's talk about hard knocks. Hard Knocks episode one, the 2019 season, a quick recap with the Oakland Raiders. Um, and my lovely wife, Jen, has watched every season with me going back to 2008. And I love watching with her. I absolutely love it. She's a casual football fan. She doesn't even like really watch full games during the regular season until maybe the playoffs. Um, you know, she grew up a diehard, you know, in a diehard Giants household between my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. Um, but when she watches football or sports in general, she's very intuitive and, and she's very intuitive in life and it, she certainly applies it to sports. And that's a teaser for an upcoming episode. But she has this really humorous, humorous commentary and, and some great takes. And uh, we, we just watched the, the first episode. Um, and by the way, I, I pulled up Wikipedia to confirm she watched every season with me. And here's a fun fact that I didn't know. Do you guys know that Liev Schreiber is the narrator? Of Hard Knocks? I thought it was just some like random old guy. Liev Schreiber from the Scream horror series, Some of All Fears, many other movies. But I never really thought of him as having some kind of great narration voice. But but I clearly he does now that I'm thinking about it. I'm just not going to – I'm not going to like hear it the same way again. But um, who the fuck knew? Anyway, um, you know, going into this Hard Knocks season, I found it to be a little less intriguing than – the last few years, especially last year's like Hugh Jackson disaster coming coming off a winless season, drafting 
Baker Mayfield. You know, I'm tired of, of, of like the Raiders mediocrity, really. And it's just, it just doesn't get me excited. And before I really get on board with Gruden's career getting resurrected, I just need to see more. I find Gruden to be very likable. I met him about four years ago. This is before we had our daughter. It was a couple weeks before the 2015 season. And he was uh, in the Monday Night Football booth at the time, um, I think with Tariko. And we were walking along the water where we lived in lower Manhattan. And it's a pop- very popular walking area. It was right around dusk. Um, but given it was August and people go on vacation in August, it was sparsely populated. And I go to my wife, I go to Jen, I say, honey, do you know who that is? It's John Gruden. And she was like, of course I know it's John Gruden. And she confirmed that it was him. He was walking with his wife, enjoying the scenery and the weather. And she said to me, well, if you, you keep looking at him so creepily, he knows who you he knows you know who he is, and if you don't say something to him, in the next five minutes, I'm going to blow up your spot. So I mustered up the courage. I took a breath, and as we walked a little bit closer and there was an opportunity, I said, Hey, uh, John, I'm so sorry to bother you. My name is Chris. I'm a big fan, and I'm very excited for football season. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this beautiful walk at night. It's just the first thing that came to me. Um, and he looked at me, and he said in his John Green voice, Well, Chris... I'm excited for football season two. Thank you very much. And his wife smiled and he was very receptive to the introduction. And it was a series of very simple words on both sides. But it was very genuine and it felt personal. You never know what that type of stuff with celebrities. You hear all kinds of things. like, And uh, I, was really, I was really glad that I, that I said something to Gruden. So anyway, a um, few reactions to the first episode of Hard Knocks. So... Um, first thing, you know, I'm not going to do this every, every, uh, it's such detail, but I am going to do this every week, um, for hard knocks, but, um, just some, just some quick, quick, quick reactions every week. Number one, I find Antonio Brown so incredibly unlikable. And I didn't found, find this when he came into the league. He seemed like a guy that came out of a small school. Um, you know, I think it was Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, one of those, I have to look it up, but I just find, you know, his attitude and sound bites on his way out of Pittsburgh, you know, how he acted with the Steelers when they hit some adversity last year, blame Roethlisberger, blame Tomlin, everybody but himself. That's always a red flag. Um, he quit on the Steelers in week 17 when they were still alive for the playoffs. Like, he was very, like, reluctant to play. Uh, got jealous because Juju Smith-Schuster was an emerging and, and, and rising star for the Steelers. I mean, the guy just fancies himself so freaking much you know like currently he's filing a grievance about a new helmet because the new helmet is is is, has a different feel than the one he's used to and it's a safer helmet he'd rather have his old one and and risk injury more you know he's he's sidelined now because he was in some kind of cryogenic chamber and his feet were frostbitten you know he just thinks he's just such an interesting guy with his haircut and his bleached blonde hair last year but he could be more of just a basic, cliche, run-of-the-mill wide receiver, diva wide receiver if he tried. And that's even for the, for, for the for the population of wide receivers out there. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and then the other thing with him, I mean, these athletes like him, like Philip Rivers, Antonio Cromartie, I mean, they just crank out babies like it's like the early 19th century, like early 19th century immigrants. Like, I was looking up. Antonio Brown just turned 31, like, uh, this year, and he already has four friggin' kids. It's unbelievable. 
Um, but anyway, that's that's my my um, my reaction to Antonio Brown um, and Derek Carr. I didn't, you know, that the point two is I didn't really find him to be particularly imp- an impressive guy. I mean, I just think he seemed like disingenuous, cliche, and and Jen, my wife, was just adamantly not into him. I mean, she must have said three or four different times throughout the throughout all different types of appearances on, on the episode. Uh, she's like, I don't like this guy. Uh, no, so she's selling the the Derek Carr stock. And uh, yeah, just like a lot of just you know, just cliche, like blonde bombshell wife. He's got like an eight figure house with a bunch of palm trees around. You know, like a bunch of kids that are running around in a pool. Just cliche, hard knocks quarterback. And you know that he's having a, like a confrontation with his tight end about oiling up his arms with, with 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 suntan lotion or oil because he's just enamored with his triceps. I mean, come on, man. You know, Carr had. One good season a few years ago, he got he, he he unfortunately broke his leg. He hasn't been the same guy since, and I think he has a lot to prove. Um, but I don't think he's particularly interesting. So Antonio Brown, that's that's the quarter, that's the the wide receiver and the quarterback right there. Not not that interesting. But um, th- then I'm going to get to these two gems of players that that they featured on Hard Knocks this week. First one is the undrafted tubby ass defensive lineman number sixty three, Ronald Ollie. I mean, this guy is just like lazy, fat, equipped with a gold grill and a stud nose ring. I mean, he just was just so unlikable, just like like no work ethic, looked like he just, you know, just came from, from a buffet breakfast at, uh, at, 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 at Denny's or Cracker Barrel. I mean, the guy just like did not seem equipped to go make a football team. And I, I liked how they just kind of like featured him the first, you know, early on and, and – uh, and cut his ass pretty quickly, and I, and 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 giving my, my wife credit how intuitive she is when we watch football, you know she saw this guy. He must have said like you know I don't know like five words, and she's like they're gonna cut this guy like day three. It's almost as if she like watched Hard Knocks ahead of me, and I know she didn't do that, but she knew that they were gonna cut him. So um, he was just a gem, and then and then we have Jonathan Abram. What a fucking disaster and train wreck this guy is. This guy was a twenty seven pick overall. I think the fourth pick in the first round for the for the for the Raiders, and first he's on a he's on like a like a date with a fellow rookie riding horses or whatever the hell he's doing. Um, he he resents being called Rook. He rolls up to camp in like a Mercedes, um, you know, asking Derek Carr if it's salmon or salmon. I mean, really, dude. You know, I know you're from like the backwoods of Mississippi, but come on, like that's an embarrassing thing. Like this thing is now uh, memorialized on on TV forever. He's going to be known as the Salmon guy. And, you know, he's hitting people uh, during practice with non-pads. He's telling Carr he didn't eat when Carr was taking out the the offense. Or I guess he was taking out, like, some of the the, the teammates, uh, maybe the rookies, to lunch. And, and um, whether whether that's true or not, I mean, you're making that joke with the franchise quarterback like that? I mean, this guy just doesn't have, seem to have any self-awareness whatsoever. And uh, you know, keep an eye on this brainiac. I mean, this guy's going to be an interesting storyline. You know, I know usually first round draft picks, uh, they start they're they're pretty guaranteed in locks on the team. But but his just attitude I, I, it stuck out to me uh, in all the hard knocks episodes I've seen over the years um, as being like potentially toxic. All right, before I start cranking out some more sports episodes, as far as the podcast goes, I'm going to share just some of my allegiances. So many podcasts or radio hosts, you know, I find try to be so diplomatic and hide biases, unless sometimes they're local guys, um, especially hide biases beyond just like mentioning like 
the teams that locally that they root for and obviously the rivals that they hate. But for not me, I'm going to own, you know, all the different nuances of the biases I have. And uh, you know, so, so take any rival or bias driven predictions with, 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 with grains of salt. So um, this is a football podcast, but I'm a Yankees fan. I'm pumped about the season. More of that for a future episode. But I'm also a Jets fan. And since my youth, um, I've been a Jets fan. I mean, my dad got me, tried to get me into the team uh, from a really young age. And, and he got into the team himself. He grew, um, I guess he fell in love with the Jets in the late 60s when he moved up to New York from South Carolina as a teenager um, with with Joe Willie Namath as, as the underdog and his bold predictions. And the Jets obviously won the Super Bowl 50 years ago. Um and I got a helmet for Christmas around age six. And the Jets were just a train wreck at that point in my life when I was like, you know, this is what we're talking about now, mid to late 80s. Um, this is past, you know, after this, the, the New York sack exchange. And, you know, I, I basically had, uh, I've been a Jets fan my whole life outside of a three-year rebellious period in the mid-90s when I uh, fell in love with the, the Packers starter jacket and, became, and Favre and became a Packers fan for a few years. But... Bill, Bill Parcells hooked me back in with a competitive campaign in 97, then an AFC title game run, and it would have been a lot easier to stay on the Packers bandwagon, believe me. And um, But as a Jets fan, I mean, you know, the teams that I hate are obvious. I hate the, the Patriots, and I hate the Dolphins. And the Pats are for obvious reasons. This is driven by jealousy and a disdain for for Boston sports, given my, my, uh, my Yankee fandom. And... Um, the Dolphins, because, you know, Marino beat me up, my, uh, beat me, beat my team up as a youth and they morphed into this, this mediocrity and underachievement, which is unheralded because they've had this winning culture, like going back to like Shula and Marino. And I mean, their record's a joke and I'll, I'll get into more, I'll, I'll they'll certainly have more Dolphins rants. Um, but they're just not that good. And like, they get all this like credit, even if they make like the smallest acquisition and all this stuff and like people, you know. You know, pick them to win the division some years and make the playoffs, and they generally just have been just 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 atrocious. And um, you know, the rest of my NFL allegiances outside of the um, the Jets and 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 hating the Dolphins and Pats have ebbed and flowed. I mean, full disclosure, I tend to root for teams where I like the players and coaches when they aren't playing my team. And I'm going to actually pull as somebody of of, of mixed race. I, I pull for black coaches given their natural institutional challenges and. You know, quarterbacks of color, especially mixed race ones, and I and as a kind of a, a secondary rooting interest, I root for Italian American quarterbacks, which are rare, or fellow like five ten and some change quarterbacks. And the ones that are currently in the league, you're probably you know do, cycling through through your your own uh, quarterback rolodex in your head. But Mahomes, Pat Mahomes, uh, uh, Dak Prescott. Jimmy Garoppolo, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. Um, and Kyler Murray is interesting because he's mixed race and he's 5'10 and change. So those, those are just guys I, I, f- I find myself like kind of gravitating towards rooting for this year. And so on a casual level, I'm going to pull a, you know, a head of neutrality for um, teams like the Chiefs, the Cowboys, Seahawks, Steelers, and Niners. And I realize some of those, those teams like play each other and they conflict, but whatever. So just want to put out what my what my biases are and um, just understanding my allegiances. All right, so let's start with Madden ratings. So I personally have haven't played Madden in ten years, you know. But people are really into these ratings. These came out like a few weeks ago, and you know, I, I as far as Madden goes, I played consistently consistently back like in the Super Nintendo days in the mid nineteen nineties as game systems evolved through the mid two thousands with like. 
PlayStation and Xbox. But, you know, since I started dating my wife, got married, had a kid, have aspirations for another kid, there just aren't enough hours in the day, you know, especially like as my career has taken off and, 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 and evolved. I mean, it's just like, just don't have time for this. And um, I'm hoping for a chance to revisit Madden if our, if our next one is a boy in about seven or eight years once he gets into Madden. And I can start playing with him and using it as, a, as an excuse for a bonding activity. But anyway, the Madden rating. So, so Madden put out these uh, ratings ahead of the, the game being released for every single player. And they've done this for years where they have ratings on, a, on, a, on I guess, a, like a 1 to 100 scale, 100 being the best. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to go through every single position and I'm not going to go through all the top ratings. This has been discussed, but let's just focus on quarterbacks because that's the sexy glamour position. So the top seven ratings for quarterbacks are Pat Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, um, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers in that order. I have no issue with any of that. I can make arguments one way or the other for a few people, but those are obviously to me, they seem like the top seven quarterbacks as, as we begin the year. Now, once you get past that, you know, Matt Ryan's at eight, Ben Roethlisberger's nine. You can make an argument of flipping those two. You know, I think Matt Ryan is um, is good. He had obviously like a good 2018 campaign, but I think a lot of his yards were garbage. Uh, he's 34 this year. Um, Roethlisberger, not his best year last year, but I put him above Ryan. Then you have uh, Cam at 10. So as we look lower in the list, there's like a few interesting things to me that jump out. And you know, I think Kirk Cousins is too high. I'll, I'll get to Kirk Cousins later. Uh, Andy Dalton, I find to be too high. He's like kind of middle of the pack. And then you get lower. And like, you know, for all of the, the Mitchell Trubisky fans out there, I mean, this guy has a 75 ranking. He's tied with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's behind Jameis Winston, Lamar Jackson, Nick Foles. And he's barely ahead of Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Joe Flacco, and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and Case Keenum. And like... This is like, so I just found that to be like one of the interesting outliers on this list. So I'll give you my full year of predictions as we get closer to the season, including win totals, playoff and Super Bowl predictions, and MVP candidates. But on this episode, uh, also coach of the year. All right, let's get to some hot takes. Here we go. So my first hot take is Sam Darnold is going to have a better. 2019 season than Baker Mayfield. So I'm going to say that again. My quarterback on my football team, the New York Jets, Sam Darnold, is going to outplay Baker Mayfield this coming season. Now, Baker, no doubt, outplayed Sam last year in 2018. He had a phenomenal rookie year. Mayfield was runner-up to the sensational Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. He had 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and nearly 3,800 yards. Darnold had a respectable but more pedestrian 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and about 2,900 yards. Although Darnold ended the year on a very, very strong note. He won a road game trailing in Buffalo in the final drive. And in his last four games, he had six touchdowns, one interception, 64% completion percentage, and a QB rating of almost 97. So reports thus far have been very positive for Darnold out of camp, zipping the ball around, confident and a great relationship with first-year head coach Adam Gase. He had a great touchdown drive in his only preseason appearance so far. Now, aside from his own personal development, he has new weapons this year in superstar Le'Veon Bell coming over from the Steelers and Jamison Crowder coming over from the Redskins, as well as some new pieces on the offensive line, including five-time Pro Bowler Ryan Khalil. Now, more than anything, 
I love his disposition. I think he's cool, he's calm, and he's collected. He doesn't seem to get rattled from play to play, series to series, or game to game. Now, on the other hand, there's Mayfield. Now, Mayfield has high expectations in Cleveland, where one media personality predicted a Super Bowl victory for the Browns and called for them to win the division, which they haven't done in decades. Now, Cleveland has an unproven rookie head coach in Freddie Kitchens, former offensive coordinator, and a lot of baggage skill players, such as Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, and Odell Beckham. Now, Mayfield seems to be getting rattled by media personalities like Colin Cowherd. He's uber talented. He definitely is. And he belongs in the NFL, but he's brash, and I think overconfident at times. Now, I think both he and the Browns take a step back from expectations with a target right on their back. Mayfield also, I mean, this was ridiculous. He shotgunned a beer at a Cleveland Indians game and played to the crowd. Now, I can't see Darnold doing that, nor could I see the very best quarterbacks in the league like the Brady's, the Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, or Rivers, or even Big Ben in his own division doing that. So my hot take number one, Sam Darnold is going to have a better sophomore season than counterpart Baker Mayfield. Hot take number two. The NFC North is going to be the worst division in football this year. Now, I think eight or nine games wins the division. Now, we're not hearing good things out of Packers camp as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned. He doesn't seem to be a quarterback willing to play within structure, according to longtime NFL films guru Greg Cosell. Now, I think new coach Matt LaFleur, who only has three years in age on Rodgers, is going to be slow to earn his respect. Now, Rodgers is surly, he's aloof, and he's proud. I think there's going to be... Uh, a tough go for the Packers in, in, in 2019. Now, Chicago, they won the division last year, had a top defense, the, hop, the top defense in the league, according to Football Outsiders, and in the top five, according to most metrics. And I expect another good year. But I am not a believer in Mitchell Trubisky coming into year three as a highly drafted quarterback off a surprise year under rookie head coach Matt Nagy last year. Now, I think he lags behind his, his peers in completion percentage, yards per attempt, touchdown interception ratio, and deep balls. Now, I'm not alone with Chicago. The Vegas over-under in the Bears is nine games in spite of them winning 12 last year. I expect a pullback. As far as the Lions, just mediocre roster, I'm sick of them. Stafford, 9-52 against teams 500 or better in his career, 15-20 against the Packers and Vikings, the teams that have been the most competitive in his division since he's been in the league. Now, Matt Patricia, Patricia the head coach, former Patriot defensive coordinator, I think he's in over his head. Defensive coach, and they were 27th ranked last year in defense, according to Football Outsiders. So I think Pat Patricia, in fact, is a candidate to be the first coach fired and join a long list of failed Belichick assistants propped up by the Patriots system. And lastly, there's the Minnesota Vikings. Rock solid defense, a lot of talent on the defense. Great receivers like Adam Thielen and Diggs. But Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. The overpaid $90 million Kirk Cousins. I think he stinks. He's Captain Choke. He stunk on the Redskins. He stinks on the Vikings. He's 4-20 against teams with nine, or, with nine or more wins and 7-29 against teams that are 500 or better. He has one playoff appearance in four seasons as a starter. He was 0-1 in that, in that playoff appearance. He lost. He was sacked six times in the only playoff game that he played. Biggest factor in this division as a whole, it, there's a very challenging schedule for them. They face the NFC West and the AFC West. So both of those divisions, I think, are going to be extremely competitive. So my hot take once again, the NFC North is going to be the worst division in football for the 2019 season. All right, my next hot take. 
the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a bottom five team in the league this year. Now, Vegas has their win total of eight and a half games, despite winning 10 last year, and I think they're going to they're gonna win half that total. They're going to win something like four, four games, maybe five games. And um, my, my other part of this prediction is the backup quarterback, RG3, is going to start eight games this year, and the Ravens are going to be a bottom five team. Now, I don't think RG3 is anything great at all, um, but I heard from a source, um, Brian Billick, that the Ravens' Lamar Jackson might be carrying the ball over 150 times. Last year, he was on a 280-time pace, and they had a surprise year, and they, and they won the division, made the playoffs. Now, I don't wish this on him, but if he's going to carry that kind of a workload with his body type, uh, I'm predicting he's going to get hurt. So with him getting hurt, RG3 stepping in, I don't have a lot of faith in RG3 at all. I think the Ravens are going to be a bottom-five team this year. That's my hot take. All right, my hot take number four. The AFC is going to be significantly better than the NFC this year. Now, there's 64 available wins. I think the, the AFC eclipses the plus 18 that the NFC had over the AFC in 2017 and flirts with 2004, where the AFC was 44 and 20, 24 games over 500. Now, the NFC has won five out of eight since 2011 after a 15-year drought. Um, I think the AFC, based on opponent matchups this year, I'm predicting has a much better year than the NFC. I just think that there, there's a lot more teams on the rise um, in the AFC this year. Some quarterbacks that are going to blossom, including my boy Sam Darnold. Um, so my, my hot take number four is the AFC is going to be a lot better than the NFC this year. All right, now I'm going to add a fifth hot take after the preseason as we see how some of these teams and players develop. We get a sense of any significant injuries that happen. But to recap for now, my four hot takes are, number one, Sam Darnold is going to have a better year than Baker Mayfield. Number two, the NFC North is going to be the worst division in football this year. Number three, the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a bottom five team in the league. And number four, the AFC is going to be a lot better than the NFC. All right. So my life hot take number one. So as the Cleveland Indians are among the hottest teams in, in Major League Baseball r- right now, um, even hotter than the, than the local New York Mets, how the fuck in 2019 do we have a professional sports team still named after a derogatory, inaccurately classified, and defensive depiction of Native Americans? How is that possible? Look, I understand we might be sitting under the most racist president in a century and probably the most outspoken racist president ever where white supremacy is loud and proud. But to me, the concept of this team still existing by their name, the Cleveland Indians, is ridiculous. And we also still have the Washington Redskins, but I feel they've gotten a lot more criticism, uh, maybe because they have the unofficial nickname, the Hogs, and people dress up like pigs, or because they're in D.C. and Obama criticized the nickname. But like just some history of the Indians now, um, the Cleveland Indians. Now, a few Native Americans have been protesting and taking uh, other actions opposing the name and logo since the 70s. And um, there's been demonstrations at opening day each year, literally for the past uh, 33 years. And the team owners and management have defended their use of, of having to, you know, no intend, but rather to honor Native Americans, even though you look at the, the, the logo that they used to have, and that's a ridiculous thing to say. And um, you know, the beginning of the 2014 season, uh, Chief Wahoo was officially reduced to secondary status uh, in favor of a block C, and Chief Wahoo is the is the the name of that ridiculous logo. 
Um, but this drew national attention during both the 2016 ALCS and the World Series. And, um, you know, while official use of, the, La- of the, the, the Chief Wahoo logo at the stadium is declined, fans attending the games continue to wear clothing. They carry signs displaying the image. Um, protests have gone on uh, when Cleveland returned to the World Series for the first time in 19 years and lost to the Cubs. And in August of 2016, a team spokesman said, quote, I'm very cognizant and sensitive to both sides of the conversation, but had no plans of making a change. I mean, this is ridiculous to me. It's absolutely ridiculous. This is where we're at. You know, imagine we had a, a team called the Pale Faces or the White Skins. You know, Caucasians would be, would be innocuous. It'd be like Native Americans in comparison. But imagine the logo was a white person holding an assault rifle. How is it any different than, than a tomahawk? You know, take another minority group, the Coons, the Darkies, the Coloreds. You know, I hope my kid's generation has an awakening and looks back on this in 25 or 30 years from now and cannot even believe this along with some of the other nonsense and insensitivity that has gone on racially in my life. I really am hoping that they take a look back at this and see this as absurd, which is absurd to me now, but not, not enough people are talking about it. Fucking ridiculous. All right, my next hot take. Can we stop calling toddlers and preschoolers babies? Also, the youngest child I know is often called the baby, usually when there's two kids or more, especially three kids or more. And now my wife, she calls our our daughter her baby, which addresses her as baby. Sometimes it's an endearing thing a parent or grandparent will do, even as the person becomes an older kid or even an adult. I'm not saying that. But technically a baby, by, the, by definition, is 0 to 12 months based on child development stages, according to the CDC. Sometimes we classify up to 18 months or even two as still a baby. Now, I know this is my issue, and I get annoyed with, with our daughter being treated like or called a baby by others, or the baby, when she was even barely two. Now, I think it's a little more gray there. But let's not call a three- or four-year-old child a baby. Can we stop? Here are some traits I associate with babies. Bald. Poops and pees in diapers all day long, coos, speaks gibberish, walks like a drunken sailor, and doesn't express outward opinions. Now, my, my daughter, she has beautiful, long, wavy hair that takes friggin' 10 minutes to brush. She has a dozen different princess variations for her underwear. She can recite 20 different lines of dialogue from Disney movies, from cartoons, from, and sing word-for-word Disney songs. She collectively goes up and down 15 to 20 flights of stairs a day. And she cares about the color and shape of, of Frozen the movie gummy vitamins. And if she's in the mood for multigrain versus plain Cheerios. So let's stop with the baby thing with her. Do we call a 50 or 55-year-old senior, senior citizen? No, we don't. Let's be factually accurate. Again, calling her baby as a term of endearment, that's great. But I get so just ticked off when strangers are calling her the baby or baby. Now, you can mock me that this is trivial, but it really just annoys the crap out of me. We got to empower kids, man, not stifle them. If you stop counting months, which should happen after two, they're no longer a baby. Thanks for listening to the Chris Ham podcast. Please follow me on Twitter at Chris N. Ham. Your support and feedback is incredibly valuable as I grow this podcast. So please tell me what you like, what you don't like, and feel free to suggest topic ideas. Take it easy, friends. Be well.